Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Cannabis Curious Podcast. This time I talked to Kim Stuck of Allay Consulting. Kim's cannabis career started as an inspector for the city of Denver. Kim's experience as an investigator is what motivated her to start Allay Consulting. Allay Consulting helps cannabis businesses both understand and respond to federal and state regulations so they remain in compliance. In this conversation, you will learn more about some of the services that Allay Consulting offers, including helping cannabis businesses get certified in good manufacturing practices with the FDA. Kim discusses the benefits of these certifications as well as some of the ways that education can go a long way in the compliance process. I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening. Well, hi, Kim. Thank you for joining the Cannabis Curious Podcast today. I'm really excited to have you on as a guest. Yeah, and thank you for having me, Ashley. Absolutely. Um, I just want to give the guests a brief kind of intro on your background, and then we can really just dive in here. So from my understanding, you started your cannabis career as an inspector for the city of Denver, really sort of in the hotbed of when cannabis was becoming legally regulated and the all eyes were on Denver. Um, and as you started working with your kind of cannabis clients and doing that compliance work, saw a need to do some advocacy and maybe advisory too to help them bridge the gap between being a business and how to meet government rights. And then from there, moved on to found Allay Consulting, which is a um, compliance strategy and services consulting firm in the what I'm going to call plant medicine space because it looks yeah. like you're not just um, work with THC cannabis as well as you know CBD and hemp, but also um, medicinal mushrooms now. So you're kind of in all of the plant medicine space. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you today, and I'd love just to hear a little bit maybe first, like really what was it like being an inspector in Denver during the time that you were? Because I have to imagine it was pretty fast and furious, and all eyes were really on Colorado at that time in terms of how to regulate this new commodity. Yeah, yeah. It was um it was a very exciting time to be a regulator. I know that sounds weird. Um, but it was the first time in as long as anyone could remember that there was a new something new, right? A new uh entire industry of something that we didn't know anything about. And so uh yeah, it was it was definitely a learning curve. Um, the industry was very unique, uh, not only because it was cannabis, but the people were really unique as well, because many of them had come from backgrounds where, you know, they were growing cannabis illegally in their basement for the last 40 years, and they had never been regulated before, and they had never really uh, been around regulators or regulations, and, you know, many of them were kind of afraid of the badge, uh, if you will, which I totally understand. Um, and so it was a really big like learning curve and just like understanding, you know, what was going on. So it was kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, it was a really cool time um, to be around. It was a huge learning curve. I didn't know anything about cannabis. I grew up in Colorado. Obviously, I knew a little bit about cannabis, um, but not enough to, you know, regulate it. And so I had to learn from the industry. You know, we had hundreds and hundreds of different licenses in that in that city. Um, and so we got to go into all of them, license them, learn about their processes, what they were doing, what they were making, evaluate what the risks were. You know, we did risk-based analysis on almost everything and ran into a lot of issues that don't exist in other industries and had to rewrite regulations and put in policy for things. And 
so yes, it was a very crazy time. Um, we ran into a lot of, you know, situations that like would never exist in other industries that we would know of. I mean, it's, it was just like crazy, you know, going in and seeing um, all the new and crazy things that people were coming up with uh, because this industry is very innovative. And it was like every day there was like a suppository and then a tampon and a, you know, I was like, how are we going to regulate this now? So it was really fun um, and still is to this day because I essentially do the same thing that I did back then, but without the badge and without, you know, being a regulator, I actually like help the industry instead of, you know, go in and be that hammer for the government. So I love it. I like it a whole lot more. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, right? Like no one really wants the inspector to show up at the facility because they know something they're going to get found on something, you know, yeah. or that's what they assume. Yeah. Well, and if you don't know what you don't know, you know, not everybody is a food safety expert. Not everybody, you know, the regulations are hard to understand sometimes. Um, they're very vague. They're very gray a lot of times. And so people get very insecure about them. Um, so having a little assistance and help and having, you know, we do mock audits for people all the time where we just show up and we're regulators and, you know, people get used to having someone around that speaks and acts like a regulator. So it's, it's actually very helpful to our clients. That's a really great service. So I think that's a really interesting segue then. Like what prompted you to leave sort of that in, um, inspector investigator role and then start your own consulting firm in the cannabis space? So um, I think throughout time, uh, you know, I spent a little over three years with the department and it became very, very clear to me that people in this industry just really needed help understanding regulations, understanding, you know, the why behind regulations. And when you're a regulator, you do not get to give any advice. You don't get to tell them how to solve their issue. The onus is on them to solve their issue. You just state the regulation. This is the regulation you need to get into compliance with this. You are not allowed to go beyond that because if you do and you're wrong, uh, you can be sued. The city can be sued. You know, you, you're not allowed to step over that bound. And I remember, you know, I was saying like, God, I could just, you know, fix this issue with one sentence, you know, one sentence if I could. And I remember my boss was with me on, you know, I, we would take them all the time to show them what's going on in cannabis facilities and things like that. And I remember her looking at me and saying, you're not a consultant. That is not your job. Do You do not do that. And I said, okay, I will not then, but I'm just saying that it would be easier if I could. And it like kind of dawned on me. And that day I came home and um, was talking to my husband and I was like, man, I should just start my own consulting firm, like jokingly. And he was like, actually, that's a really great idea. You should do that. And it was like, oh, could I? Like, I've never owned a business. I don't know anything about this. Like, I don't know what to do, you know? And it was kind of this like, well, maybe maybe I do want to do that, you know? So I looked into it and did some research um, and took a couple business courses and, you know, decided that that was what I was, was going to do. And I was very transparent with the department. I told them, you know, early on, even I think it was, you know, eight months before I even left that this was my end goal was to start my own consulting firm. And they all were like, you know what, they need it, they need it, they need it. Uh, so when it came around time, I put in my two weeks, I signed an NDA with the department. Because the thing is, is, you know, I wanted to leave very ethically, I felt, you know, I got job offers all the time from big cannabis companies to be their, con you know, consultant or not consultant, but uh, their compliance officer. 
and the pay was always really good. Um, but I felt like I knew everything about every company in Denver down to, you know, their, the way their SOPs are written, every process, everything they're doing wrong. I knew everything. Right. And I felt it was really unethical for me to work for just one company. So I decided, Hey, I'll just start a consulting firm. And then my services are open to anybody. Um, and not only that, but like I said, we went to the ethics board. I signed an NDA, you know, I did all that stuff. So we're, you know, so that people can hire us and feel confident that there isn't any weirdness going on because we're a very ethical company and that's very important to us. So um, trying to keep all the cannabis people safe is, you know, pretty much our job. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that's excellent. It's really important that you're outlining all of that in terms of how you started, right? I think it's important to talk about how you kind of separated the work that you were doing prior before you went out to start your own firm. Um. What were those initial months like really starting your own consulting firm? It was, I, I think that every business owner, you know, has gone through <laughs> the first, like, it's like the first year and a half of owning a business. I don't, you know, maybe other businesses are different, but it, at first, you know, when I worked for Denver, we were so busy. I mean, I was working 10 hour days. I mean, it was just like crazy. We were doing investigations. And then all of a sudden I, I quit my job, my Cush government job. And everyone thought I was totally crazy. They were like, what? Like, why would you ever leave that job? And it was a really, I loved that job. It was a great job with a great team. Um, but, you know, I just knew, I knew that I had a really good feeling that this was the path. I'm supposed to be in cannabis. I knew that right from the first time I was in my first grow. I knew it. This is where I belong. And so I left and it was a couple of weeks of, oh shit, what did, what did I do? <laughs> like, what did I do? Why would I do this? Um, and then, you know, you got to learn all the, the finance stuff and you got to get a lawyer and you got to get an accountant and you got, you know, it's all the dumb stuff that you like, don't think you need to know, you know, getting your LLC going, all of that. And once all that was kind of in place, I, you know, you get a little more confident and I knew what services I could do. I knew that kind of thing. Um, but you know, it's always a slow start. So there was always those ups and downs of like, oh gosh, what did I do? Like, why did I do this? And you know, that kind of thing. But now we're four years in, um, we have a team of five. We were in 50 different States. We're in a handful of different countries you know, uh, we have two locations, one in Denver and one in Portland, Oregon, which is where I'm at right now. Um, and, you know, it was the right choice. It was the right choice. And now, you know, I'm reaping the benefits of feeling a little more secure because we have clients that have been with us for years. We have a great reputation in the industry. You know, it's super fun. I get to go to all these conferences. I mean, obviously not during COVID, but you know, usually I'm out on the road and I get to travel and like see all these really awesome farms and great, you know, facilities that are making really cool different, um, you know, items and, and edibles and things like that. And it's just, it's nothing but different every day. It's nothing but exciting and fun. And I get to hang out with cannabis people who are the coolest people on the face of the planet. And, you know, that's, that's my life now. So I'm so happy I did it. But I think that everybody, when they start a business, has those like moments of like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, like, how am I doing this? But and things get overwhelming. You're a business owner. 
but you handle them because you're really doing something you're passionate about and that you love. And if you are in that position where you have that passion and that love, you know, power to you because it it is a great place to be for sure. Yeah, that's really inspiring and a really good story, I think, for people to hear that you do initially think like, oh my gosh, what did I do? But you just keep going. Yeah, don't ever give up. <laughs> Never give up. You can freak out a little on the inside, but like, you know, but and like I said, after about a year and a half, you get used to you get used to the everything, you know, how the company works, your weekly, what you have to do daily, what you have to do. And, and you just adapt and you roll with the punches and, and then, you know, stuff grows and it gets bigger. And then you go, well, psilocybin. Yeah. Why don't we do that too? Like, why not? We're doing the same exact services just in the psilocybin industry, because everybody's going to need that as well there. Um, and I am a huge advocate, obviously, of plant medicine obviously huge advocate. Um, I've dedicated my entire life to it. So, you know, it's just so exciting to like see all these things and, you know, different alternatives for PTSD and depression, you know, we're helping people and our company, you know, we work in, with FDA, OSHA, Fire Code, we do GMP certification, ISO certification, all this stuff. We're helping these companies you know, make safer products, essentially safer products for the workers that are working in the factories and also safer, you know, for consumers. And, you know, it's medicine, no matter what, how you're using it, it is still a medicine and you, you got to treat it that way. And I don't know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. That's for sure. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So what are some of the services that you offer at LA Consulting? Yeah. So we're, like you said, compliance consulting firm. Um, so most of our clients are on retainer. Uh, and so we do 12 month retainers and we, we either finish projects or help with compliance in general. So most of our clients that come to us have a goal. Right. They they want um, to re get get organic certification if they're a hemp company or they want to get GMP certified or ISO 9001, ISO 22000. Or we want to make sure that we have everything that the FDA is going to be asking for when the FDA starts coming in, which is a huge thing that people need to start getting you know, used to. Also, same with OSHA. We we deal with OSHA compliance. Um, we have had several different companies come to us recently that are new clients of ours because OSHA started knocking on doors because there was an employee complaint or they came in to just make sure that you were following the COVID rules, right? They, they have jurisdiction over you, regardless of whether you're considering fe federally legal or not. If there are workers that are in danger, they can go in and fine you just like every other company. And OSHA is like terrifyingly high fines um, that can put you out of business. So it's really, you know, it's exciting to be able to go in, write all their documentation, train all their staff, get everything set up in a way that is safe for their workers. And then they can sleep better at night knowing that if OSHA shows up, it's not going to be the end of the world, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, and that I think is, is, you know, what we do best. And we, like I said, we do that with several different um, companies. All of our staff are certified professionals of food safety. So we have that FDA side that's going on. Um, and then we are also certified quality auditors. So we're all um, qualified and certified to audit to any standard that exists. So we go in and we do one-time audits for people. We have entire clients that just, we see them twice a year and that's it. We just show up, 
do an audit, give them the report. They The report acts as like a checklist of things that they have to do to become compliant. And that's all they need. They just need that check-in every once in a while. So um, we also do label reviews and we do investor uh, work. So we do do due diligence audits for investors because if you're investing money into a company, you want to make sure that they're following the rules because that's a lot of risk um, if they're not. So, you know, we do a whole plethora of things. We do help with licensing from time to time and things like that. So um, if it has to do with compliance, we, you know, we do it. So it's pretty awesome. We We love it. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's a wide breadth of things that you do. And I didn't even realize that OSHA could come in regardless of Mm -hmm. how you are regulated, that certain federal agencies still have jurisdiction maybe over parts of your business. Yeah. So actually, I mean, so OSHA and the FDA, if there's an issue, a complaint, an outbreak, if somebody gets sick, um, then they they can go in. They do have jurisdiction over you. So regardless of whether you're THC or not, they just don't do regular inspections and don't have regulations based like directly at you. But they definitely have jurisdiction if something goes wrong. So we have a lot of clients that are thinking of the future, right? Um, obviously, we also deal with state regulations as well if you want to get into compliance with those. But honestly, state regulations are the easiest regulations that we work with. If you can believe that. Um, so when it, yeah, when it becomes federally legal, you know, people are going to have to deal with FDA and OSHA as well, on top of all the other regulations that they have to keep track of. So our clients, you know, the majority of our clients, they're the, the bigger bigger and smaller companies. We have companies that are like three people uh, that are our clients, but they're thinking about the future. They want to make sure that their facility is built the right way. They want to make sure that, you know, they have enough hand sinks. They want to make sure that if the FDA comes in or OSHA comes in, they're not going to get shut down. And I have a feeling, unfortunately, that when those government bodies start having jurisdiction, because when you speak to those regulation regulators, their bias against the industry is pretty strong. And so we're really, really worried that it's going to be lead to a lot of shutdowns and just unpleasantness. Um, and so the more that we can do to help companies become, you know, already compliant with this, and it's not going to be a surprise, and they're going to be ready for it, it's going to just help the industry thrive. Uh, moving forward instead of, you know, be shut down. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. You're kind of like helping to create good stewards in the industry of some of these practices. And then hopefully over time, changing the perspective of all the regulators that are interacting with the industry. Absolutely. And we work really closely with regulators as well. We've helped several different states, um, you know, just by talking to them on the phone and telling them our opinion. Um, Also, we've trained regulators in the past um, because a lot of these regulators have never been in a grow or an extraction facility and it can be very intimidating. And so they're automatically on guard because they're intimidated by the situation, which is not a good place to be when you're a regulator. Um, And so that's really good. You know, educating those regulators is a really important thing just for the industry as a whole. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, because that is, you know, an observation I have, like, it's an it's a very difficult industry to regulate when you don't have knowledge of the plan or how it grows or how it's manufactured or any of those things. I can't imagine then being responsible for creating regulations and then holding facilities accountable to those regulations when I myself 
maybe don't understand the process. You know, it'd be a very uncomfortable position to be in. I can somewhat like empathize with it. I used to do consulting in a different capacity and I felt like I was consulting clients on things that maybe I didn't have knowledge of and I and it just never felt quite comfortable. Like, well, you sh- you actually know better what you're doing than I do. So, you know, and it never felt just quite natural to me, which is why I'm at where I'm at now. One of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was this good manufacturing practices certification. This is really interesting to me that this is available to the industry and there and there seems to be some states are there are certain benefits to licensees for being certified. So I'd love to start first with what is the certification and then maybe talk about how that kind of applies in the cannabis space. Yeah, so uh, CGMP, so it's Current Good Manufacturing Practices. That's what GMP stands for. Um, and it's a certification that exists in all industries. Um, any any kind of manufacturing industry can get a GMP certification, especially when it comes to manufacturing um, anything consumable, right? And so for a long time, it was not available to the industry, um, GMP standards are based on FDA standards. So you can get a supplement standard GMP or a food ingredient and food GMP. It just kind of depends on which one you, what category you fall into best. Um, the, there are accredited certifying bodies that are the ones that do the audit that give you the certification, right? And they are not consulting firms. So consulting firms and GMP accredited certifying bodies of any standard are very separate. And that's due to the ethical dilemma. Like if I was your consultant and I did the certification, like that would cause a lot of issues, obviously. Um, And so we actually work with six accredited certifying bodies right now. Um, We talked um, the first one into it a long time ago. We just begged and begged and begged, please work in the cannabis industry, please. We need this, we need this, they need this. Um, Because most cannabis companies are, are unregulated. You know, they they talk about how they're the most regulated industry in the world. And really, they're they're not even close because they haven't even dealt with FDA regulations yet. Um, They haven't even dealt with food safety or anything like that. So GMP is a great way um, to get your foot up. Right. And to get get in front of it before FDA and everybody comes in. Also, it's great for, you know, the brand itself, you know, people who buy goods you know, they want to buy it from a facility that is GMP certified. And that's that's happening more and more and more. So really, it's just a manufacturing certification that shows that you go above and beyond and that your products are like the safest um, and highest quality products that they can be, right? And it's a really great thing to get. Um, what is the trend lately? What you were just talking about is um, like New York, Uh, just put out regulations for the CBD industry, right? They're allowing edibles and beverages. They are requiring you to have GMP certification uh, before you can even get a license. So that is part of the regulations. Um, In Florida, you cannot have a THC company without having GMP certification as well. So there are places that are just, instead of saying, okay, our regulators are going to go in and going to regulate food safety, they're just saying, no, we're going to let third parties do it. And you have to get this certification, Um, which in some ways is very smart. In other ways, you know, it is a burden on the, um, the company because it is expensive to get 
more expensive than, you know, just having a regulator come in. Um, the other thing is in Michigan, just like you said, uh, they have, if you get GMP certification, then you don't have to test for the state as much. Um, so that cost, cuts down on cost, especially if you're a big company, you know how testing cost is just like through the roof. So then they allow you to go by that GMP standard instead of, you know, the state standard, which um, you can lower it quite a bit. So yeah, there's some really great benefits. I think that more and more states, you know, New York and New Jersey just came online for THC. So many states right now are just rolling and it makes me so happy. Um, but I have a feeling that a lot of the regulations are going to at least have GMP components in them, if not requiring GMP certification outright. Um, so we'll just see what happens. But yeah, that's definitely a trend. And it's definitely something that I would really you know, tell people to get if they if they are able to. It's really an awesome thing to get. Makes your company look really great. You can charge a premium for your products and for your oil if you're selling to other people. Um, and, you know, it just makes you look awesome. And it makes sure, and it reduces the risk of your um, products as well. So it reduces the risk of outbreaks and contamination and, and that kind of thing. So we love it. We, we've been pushing for that for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it all around sounds great. Could you give me um, like a, just an example, maybe some of the things that, you know, a grower or a processor would have to do to be GMP compliant? Yeah, so for cultivation, it's a little different. Um, you can get GMP in a cultivation for sure, but um, usually it's called GAP, so good agricultural practices. It's very, very similar, though. 90% of it in both facilities, whether it's a cultivation or a products facility, um, it's documentation, right? So you have to have a CAPA plan. So uh, it, you know, or a hazardous communication plan, or, you know, like there's a bunch of different plans. Um, and, and a CAPA plan is a corrective action, preventive action plan. I'm sorry. Um, and that's essentially um, explaining to your employees. It's an SOP. It's a very long, extensive SOP. If something goes wrong, what do you do? Right. So if you find metal shavings in your brownie mix, what do you need to do? Who do you need to call? And how do you need to like fix this? You, you need to quarantine that product. You need to look at other products to make sure they haven't been affected. You know, identify where the metal shavings came from. Did they come from the flour company that, you know, you put flour in it or did it come from your machinery? That kind of thing. Um, really important thing. A lot of a lot of states are putting those kinds of things um, in their regulations. Colorado just now they have a recall plan and a capital plan required. Um, which is kind of interesting. So there's a lot of states are starting to like change things to the way that GMP is. Um, for cultivation, a lot of it has to do with contamination, right? So uh, what are you doing um, sanitation wise to cut down on mold and microbials in your facility? Um, spray logs, having extensive spray logs for all the nutrients, not only, you know, nutrients or uh, neem oil or, you know, pesticides that you're using on your products so that you know exactly what's going in to you, into those plants and you can trace them forward and back no matter where they are. Um, and that kind of thing, you know, cleaning and sanitizing your extraction equipment. How often are you doing that? What is the process for that? What are things you need to look for, you know, to, to identify problems early on? Um, are your employees trained? There's a lot of employee training. There's a lot of logs, including in a grow, 
um, you know, humidity control and temperature, right? You have to like keep that logged. When is that temperature going up and down? Is it too humid in the room? Is it going to grow bacteria? Is it going to grow mold because of that? There's literally like so many things uh, that that have to do with it. It's about you. You need about 48 uh, documents that are in place and recorded pretty regularly just to get the certification alone. And then you need to implement everything and then you need to train your staff on it and then you need to continue that. So if anything changes, you have to update those SOPs. It's a lot of document tracking is essentially what it is. It's kind of boring, honestly, um, but nerds like me love it, so. No, I I mean, it's it's important. So the question I would love to ask you is even in your time as an investigator where this documentation didn't exist, mm-hmm. what are some of the worst case scenarios you've seen? Oh my gosh. <laughs> worst case scenarios. Um so I mean, oh my gosh, I've been in grows. Uh there's this one grow that doesn't exist anymore, thankfully. Um but I used to have to go there all the time because they had major microbial issues. And I mean, when you opened the grow room, it was like a carpet of like mold and algae, like on the floor and then like growing up the walls, like over the pots of the plants. Like I've never seen a worse microbial issue than that in my entire life. Um, And they just couldn't get it under control. And I think it was because it was an old building. They didn't uh, install the correct HVAC or filtering systems that they needed to. I mean, it was just a total disaster every time I went in there. Um, And it is no longer a grow that that went away years ago uh, because, you know, that was one of the first grows I actually went into. I was like, is this the way that they always are? (laughs) Thankfully, it's not the case. Uh, Most of them are very clean, but it was just like crazy. Um, I've seen animals in grows and manufacturing facilities, anywhere from dogs to (laughs) alligators. Um, I've seen, I'm not kidding. Um, I've seen, you know, major problems with people making edibles at home, um, like brownies and things, making them at home and then, you know, wrapping them in cellophane and then selling them in their uh, dispensary, which is not not allowed. You have to have a license for that. Um, yeah, I mean, just the craziest stuff uh, that you never would think would exist. But because this industry, like I said, comes from an entire subculture of people who have been flying under the radar, they aren't used to following rules and sometimes don't even know where to find those rules that they need to follow. You know, most people were not being malicious in in the things that were wrong. No way. Most of the time they're like, oh gosh, I didn't know that. And they just like totally, you know, apologize. And they're like, oh, well, we we can fix this, you know, and and they feel so bad. And, And that's really what, you know, sparked my interest in helping these people because somebody needs to just tell them what they need to know, you know, and the government is certainly not going to do that. So um, we try to help. Yeah, it's not easy to, I mean, to even find the regulations, to find the latest version of the regulations. There might have been a bulletin to update something, but you didn't see that. So you don't know that the reg has now been amended. So, I mean, I empathize with it. You you do have to do a lot of digging and read through a lot of complex language and try to do some thinking on your own and and then sometimes hold your breath and hope like, gosh, I hope I'm doing this the right way. And if someone comes in and asks to audit me, you know, I hope that I can explain my thinking through this process and 
and the state works with me, but I'm sure you can't always guarantee that. And sometimes the state might come in and there might be a finding that really affects your business. Yeah. And it, it was completely innocent on your part. It wasn't anything, you know, no one probably wants to be paying fines or be shut down. That's, you know, in the cannabis industry. No, it's painful. Um, I had to shut down a lot of people uh, when I was a regulator and it every single time it just broke my heart, you know, because they're, you know, these are these are starting businesses. They're all small businesses. They're all just starting out. Many of these people put everything that they owned into this venture of theirs and being shut down even for a couple of days is just devastating to their bottom line. You know, and so it was really, really rough. And, you know, we love, you know, me and everybody at my firm love our jobs because we play that kind of superhero role where if something happens, we come in and we get on the phone with that regulator and we deal with it because we're we're not afraid of regulators. We're all ex-regulators ourselves, you know, and we know how to handle those situations. We, we know what they want to hear and we know, you know, what when they say things, we understand what they're asking of us. When a lot of times it's just that legal regulation jargon that is not a language that everybody speaks. Um, and we just happen to speak it fluently. So it helps a whole lot just to ha be that barrier because the owner already has enough to worry about. You know, the owners of these companies have so much going on that the last thing they should be worried about is being shut down because they, you know, they don't have hot water for a day and they, you know, they didn't know that they needed to close for that or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and we just love to be that support and help as much as we possibly can, because even from our perspective, we don't know everything, you know, there's a lot of gray area in this where we go, okay, here's the deal. This is technically okay, but next week it might not be. You know, mm -hmm. so it, there's a whole lot of that and it's it's frustrating. But at the same time, that's just the way the cannabis is. And if someone can't handle that, they probably shouldn't own a cannabis company. You know, it's not an easy business to be in. People think, you know, people who talk to me that are outside the industry, um, you know, they just think that everybody here is making all this money and it's just nothing but smoking weed and not even working all day. And I'm like, that's hilarious because in the cannabis industry, they're the hardest working people I've ever met in my whole life. And not only that, but they, they, they are under so much stress. They are under like countless numbers. Many of them don't have banks. Many of them don't have payment processing. I mean, when I explain that to people that have never been in the industry, they're like, well, how do you run a business? And I'm like, exactly. How do you run a business like that? That's great question. You know, very difficult, difficultly and very carefully. Um, and I think eventually, you know, the ball is rolling. States are coming online constantly. It's only a matter of time before we ha will have to be treated like normal companies, you know. So I'm, I just can't wait for the day when. I don't have to be worried about going into my bank and stating what I do for a living. You know, that'll be nice. <laughs> I really hope that Safe Banking Act passes at the very least. I mean, that would be really huge for it. It was. Yeah, everything you said, I just amen to all of that. Like, it is an incredibly difficult industry to, to survive in, let alone thrive in. And everyone on the outside does think that somehow we're all just super wealthy, just hanging out, having fun. <laughs> but no, figuring out like incredibly complex issues, you know, on the daily. 
And you're really helping licensees navigate that. What's it like for you when you walk into a business and you're and and you've kind of um, talked to this a little bit that you know there are people who may have been doing things underground, aren't quite used to regulations, moving all the way to okay, now we're going to need to have you know forty eight plus documents, and we're going to need to train. What's that kind of journey like from limited documentation to like a very structured, robust process and training program? And yeah, it's a uh, small steps at a time. Um, and I tell people that all the time. They're like this, you know, because when we're t- talking over the phone to get on a contract or something, you know, we go through it all. We say, okay, this is step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. And I'm like, you can't look at the whole picture. It's it's so overwhelming. You know what we're going to look at? 20 hours per month. That's what we're looking at. <laughs> small chunks. This is what we're going to do this month. This is what we're going to do this month. This is what we're going to do this month and so on and so forth. You know, nothing happens overnight. Um, People, a lot of people come to me and they're like, I want GMP certification. Can I get it in a month? And I'm like, that's hilarious. No, like (laughs) definitely not. Um, And, you know, it takes at least six months to get GMP certification because most of these companies are starting from scratch. They don't have any documentation in place. They don't have any training protocols in place. They don't have a food safety plan. They don't have a CAPA plan. They don't have a recall plan. They don't have a batch number system in place. Um, Many times their facility is lacking the walls, floors, and ceilings that are required or hand sinks or a three compartment sink or a mop sink or, you know, whatever it is. um, There's always things that have to change uh, because it is, you know, a higher level certification. And so people think that it's something that's easy to get. Um, it's not, it takes a long time. It takes our company around 170 billable hours just to get GMP certification. Um, and that's, you know, the documentation. So you think about it, most of our clients are in like a 20 hour a month contract. We do it for 12 months. If we get finished early, then awesome. We get finished early and we end the contract. But most of the time it takes a lot of support because not only do we need to write all this documentation for them, it has to be exactly what's happening in their facility. You can't just take some templates and like fill them out. That is not the way GMP works. Um, And then we have to implement everything, make sure that the company is actually doing what says on those documents. And then we, in in that process, we have to train all the staff. And so if even one person on the staff is not on board or like thinks it's a joke, they could get a violation that could cons- they could get rid of their GMP certification. So it's actually like a complete culture change of the company. Um, by the time we're done, it's like awesome, and me- people are like they have pride in their you know their work, and they're making a much higher quality product, a much safer product. People actually the turnover actually goes down in companies that have GMP certification, which is a an amazing bonus. Um, because people, when they have more pride in what they're doing, they tend to stick around longer. Um, and so it's just really interesting, like how it all works, but it does take time. It's a lot of, um, effort. Um, but you know, that's why people hire consulting firms because we do the heavy lifting. Uh, and you know, usually what takes us, you know, 170 hours would take somebody else double that. And then if you have a full-time person that has the knowledge the FDA and knowledge to do GMP certification, 
that's more than a full-time job right there on top of all their other duties. So it's actually a lot more economical and time conservative to just have us come in and do it for them. So it makes sense. And it's, and for us, it's really fun because we get to work with a whole bunch of different companies and get to see different things and new products. And, you know, we get to, you know, create relationships with these amazing people and these amazing companies. And all of our clients kind of become family after a while. I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes. We know them in and out and they know us and, you know, we hang out with them a whole lot. So it's, it's pretty exciting. We love it. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're spending good time together. You're like really getting to know the ins and outs of their business in order to be able to get them GMP certified. It's really interesting that it reduces turnover. I think that's a huge benefit to it. And it kind of makes sense what you're saying, the pride, but then there's very clear direction about what jobs are, which I think is sometimes what leads to frustration with people. They're like, well, I don't even know what my expectations are or why I'm in trouble today or why I'm praised tomorrow. And so it's not even something like GMP, it seems like it just helps to create like a lot of clarity about yes. how things are operated. Yeah, absolutely. Perfectly spelled out. This is what you have to do every day. Um, and, you know, people get excited about it because once, you know, unlike other firms and, you know, other in- industries, we have really learned that we need to explain the why behind everything. Because people, if they don't understand why they're doing something, like, They don't want to do it. They don't understand, like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? So we really explain the reasoning why, including, like, down to, like, it's because we're worried about this bacteria creating this toxin in this environment. And they're like, wait a minute, what? And I'm like, yeah, so there's this bacteria (laughs) that'll do this, you know, and in a non-oxygen environment, it grows and creates this toxin, you know, and, and they're like, oh, God, I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, it's a big deal. So you doing this one step and marking it on this one chart every day is like preventing people from dying. <laughs> like, so you should probably do that, you know, and they're, <laughs> it's just like a whole other world to them. They're like, oh, well, God, I didn't know that. That makes sense. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> so let's start doing it, you know, and and it it does. It gives people a little bit of pride They're They care about their products and they probably, you know, know that the next person that's doing their job in the next company, you know, they they don't have that pride, you know, like they know that what they're making is better than everyone else's. And that is the truth. If you've got GMP certification, you are miles ahead of other companies um, and you're crushing it because it's not an easy thing to get. And it's not an easy thing to keep. And, you know, if you're doing it, then you're doing it. And that's it's like an all or nothing kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we love it. We're, we're, it is weird that turnover organic certification is that way too. We help people with organic and I think yeah. that companies that have organic certification, they keep employees longer because the, you know, they work for an organic place. They're like involved in it. And like, it, I, I can't explain it perfectly, but it's very interesting and very cool. Yeah. I mean, that's like a, a beautiful, like unintended positive consequence of it, you know, Absolutely. beyond everything else that you've outlined. Who doesn't want higher retention <laughs> and like well-trained employees who are clear on their role and proud. That's yep. the dream. Yeah, it is. And then we try to get them, you know, we do the social media blasts, you know, we get, cool. try to get We get them in articles. We do all this fun stuff. Cause you know, if you're going to work that hard to get something, you better reap all the benefits, you know, you deserve it. You worked hard for it. So 
um, yeah, we, we just love our clients and, you know, shout their names from the rooftops if they let us. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I mean, it's, it's good to have you as a partner along the journey, like to help guide them, but then also to celebrate at the end, because, you know, often like you're right. Oftentimes you work very hard for things. There's no one there to celebrate your wins, but you're there to say, Hey guys, we, we spent six months doing this together. We got down in the trenches. You should be proud of yourself and other people in your community should know about it. That's, that's incredible. Because a lot of times businesses aren't going to probably take the time to do that. They might even have the moments to stop. Right. Well, it's a business. It's constant. Go, 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 mm-hmm. go. But yeah, we, we definitely make them take that time because it is it is an amazing feat. And it's also amazing that this industry exists at all. You know, we're yeah. so lucky <laughs> that that we live at a time that this is possible for me to have this as my life and and them as well, you know. Um this uh, you know, this kind of gave a lot of people an opportunity to actually experience, you know, the true American dream. And I think that that's important to to be celebratory about that. It, as much as the cannabis industry has its heartaches, but <laughs> it is good to be celebratory of that every once in a while as well. I think it's such an important point. It's such an important point. And I'm glad you're bringing it up because like you said, you work really hard to get through the licensing process. Um, you know, like the days are kind of difficult and challenging and unknown and you might be getting hit from different directions by regulators or whatever the case is. And so just to stop and just be grateful that we all even have the opportunity to be here. I think it's an important reminder. I mean, I do it too, even some days. Like, I'm just thankful that I have this chance, regardless of how challenging the day may have been. Absolutely. I'll take this life over the life that I left to be here any day of the week. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, um, I'm curious if you would have different advice or similar advice for someone, a licensed, you know, processor who's up and running and now they're hearing this conversation and thinking, oh, GMP is really interesting. Or for someone who's newer in the industry, hey, I'm inter- I'm thinking about getting a processor license and this GMP certification seems like something I might want to consider. Um, what would your advice be for those sort of two different kind of processors or processing plants, I guess, whatever language we want to use, manufacturers yeah. that work across <laughs> all the, the legal states? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we have uh, clients from all walks of life. Uh, we, you know, we have clients that we've been with since day one. Um, and we've been, we, you know, we have clients that are, have been existing for 10 years and now they need help. Um, so, you know, we can kind of take on any project at any point and we don't have a problem with that. Um, if you are a new company, like if you are applying for your license um, and, you know, thinking, hey, I immediately want to get GMP certification right out of the gate, which is a really great way to do it. Um, do it before you go into construction, <laughs> just because there's always things on that floor plan. And we do floor plan reviews as well. We can do a floor plan review for you to, with your architect if you need us to. Um, but that that's where most of the money is lost, right? If you have to redo plumbing in six months, you, you're going to have to go back and it'll cost you a whole bunch of money. So if you get it right from the beginning, the construction part from the beginning, it's going to save you a lot of money in the in the you know, later time. Um, so that would be my advice for people who are just starting out. 
Um, for people who have already been functioning for a while, that kind of gets a little trickier. But we, the first thing we would do is come in and do an evaluation of your facility. So we would do a one-time GMP gap analysis, um, which is always where we start. So we come in, we look at everything in your facility. And that way, if there are things in your facility that need to be changed, um, we can change them right away. We know right away what it is and how we're going to do it. Um, and then from there, we can start working on documentation and figuring out which accredited certifying body you're using and those kinds of things. But understanding, you know, a lot of people just have us come in and say, well, how much is it going to cost me for construction if I have a bunch of stuff wrong? And I'm like, well, I haven't seen the facility yet. So why don't we just schedule an audit? We'll come in, we'll show you everything that you need, you know, everything that needs to be changed. You can take this to your contractor, get a bid from him, and then you'll know if you can afford it or not. Um, but most people can. It's usually, you know, simple plumbing. Um, you know, every once in a while we'll have to redo a ceiling because we're not you're not allowed to use acoustic tile. Just a heads up, everybody. Um, yeah, I know. It's like I feel so bad. Most people use acoustic tile. Don't do it. Um, but yeah, so like certain things like that have to be changed. So that's that's kind of the way that we do it. Um, and it does kind of cut down on us getting involved and then not being able to do it or, um, you know, if people are biting off more than they can chew, it kind of shows them this is what they need. So that that's my advice to everyone is, you know, if you start, well, at least do the review so that you kind of know a little bit about, you know, about what's going on in your facility. Um, hopefully, hardly anything has to be changed. And then it's like we're rocking and rolling. Um, and the other thing is, is sometimes people just need to get a feel for our firm. You know, we we are not the only firm out there. We are, you know, a certainly not a fit for every single company. And, you know, if we can help them, then we're really stoked about that. But if it's not a good fit, we have plenty of other companies that will be working with us. So we don't, you know, we don't want to like waste their time or our time either. So sometimes that initial audit is always good to have just in case, you know, just so you know what's going on and you can see kind of our working style and if you want to work with us. So I don't know. That's kind of my my advice. And then, yeah, don't look at the whole picture. Don't look at the whole iceberg. Just chip off little pieces because it's very, very overwhelming when you look at the whole project. That's our job. Their job is to relax and let us just throw little ice cubes at them. <laughs> Like, you know what, how you do stuff so that we can, you know, it's hard. It's so, it's hard to explain to people, but it's a lot and it can be overwhelming. But, but when you're done, it's like the coolest thing in the world. Like you're just, you're like on cloud nine, you're the best of the best at that point. And that is like an awesome thing to be able to say. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, now that we see that certain states are going to be requiring it, that there's, you know, there's relief around testing, even here in Michigan, there's so many reasons to be thinking about this. And I think to your point earlier in the conversation, the feds eventually are going to come in and start regulating. And so they're likely going to be using these types of practices and certifications, I would assume that they're that they're already doing in other industries, right, to like drive compliance. Yeah. So. It, it's it's definitely having quite a few steps ahead is what it sounds like. Yes, definitely. Being proactive rather than reactive is going to save your company millions down the line, for sure. Yes, it's the truth, especially in this industry where being reactive could cost you your entire business, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's really sad to see that happen when 
I, I hate it when that happens and I read a news article and I'm like, oh, if only I would have known them, I would have just told them. It would have taken one sentence out of my mouth and all of that would have been prevented, you know? And that's what sucks is unfortunately we're, you know, we're a five person firm. We're not everywhere at all times. So we have to kind of rely on people to reach out to us <laughs> to yeah. get involved with us because, you know, I wish that there were 40 more of me, you know, or us um, because the, the industry really needs it and they really need to, you know, start paying attention to these things because whether they like it or not, it's going to affect them eventually. Yeah. I think it's an important point you're making. It's, it's like, it's a good thing that you exist and what you're saying, what you said earlier in the conversation is true. It's the regulations are done in a different language. There, it's it's not meant for us as business owners to necessarily understand or navigate easily. So if you're feeling lost or confused, like that's exactly what they're somewhat intended to do. So beyond also driving safety and compliance and all these other things, but it's just if anyone's listening to this and they felt like it is a different language, that that's by design. And so having an LA consulting to kind of figure out how to move through that process would it would be really helpful I can imagine we hope so I mean we're still in business so obviously we're doing something right yeah you are (laughs) 50 states in four years you're doing a whole lot right so on that note what's kind of in the future what's 2021 looking like for LA consulting well I think we're just gonna keep keep doing what we're doing. So, um, you know, we, we opened more offices, but it was in 2020. So now we don't even have an office. We've been mobile for a really long time and we're staying this way. It just makes sense for us. So also, you know, we travel so much um, and most of what we can do, we can do remotely. Uh, we actually were doing virtual audits all 2020. So we, we've been offering that so that our clients don't have to fly someone out every time. Uh, so it's saving them some money and anytime we can save them money, you know, we're happy. So, um, you know, I think we're just going to keep trucking along. Um, we've been doing really great so far this year. So, you know, we'll see if we need to expand, we'll expand. And if we don't, we don't, you know, I'm not pushing for anything crazy, especially after the year that the whole you know, world just had. Um, I'm just hoping to be around it for the, you know, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So I'm hoping that, you know, we stick around, which I, I definitely think we will. And um, yeah, we're just moving on. We are um, working in Canada. We're working in Mexico. We even have clients in like um, Israel and um, South Africa. So we are, you know, we do do international markets as well, but mainly we're focused on um, at least North America. Uh, I think that that's still where we're at. And also, you know, New York, New Jersey, Virginia, you know, New Mexico, like all of these amazing states are starting to come on. So we're really trying to, you know, get out there and get ahead of it. Uh, so that if when people get licenses, if they need help with getting licenses or if they need, you know, uh, want to start GMP or anything else, even FDA or OSHA or just be compliant with your state regulations right away. You know, we want to be there to support those states because we're just so amazed that this industry is growing the way that it is. And it's just like so encouraging. I'm so happy that we live right now. I'm so grateful to this industry and just like it's so exciting what's happening. Um, and I love, um, you know, all of the, you know, diversity stuff that's going on, you know, the social equity stuff that's being put into um, a lot of the regulations and things like that. Some of it can be a little weird, but I am hoping that it actually does make a difference. And we get a little, 
a little more diversity in the industry as well, because, you know, still the majority of it is Caucasian men still owning companies. So, you know, um, we're actually female owned, female ran, which is really exciting for us. Not for long. I'm sure we're going to hire some guys eventually, but um, it's just, you know, it's exciting to see, you know, those kinds of opportunities arise to you know, minorities that maybe were affected by the war on drugs, because we all know how ridiculous all of that was. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of really cool stuff coming out. And then of course, the psilocybin industry, we're really stoked about that. Um, that's why I'm based in Oregon now pretty much is so that I can, you know, keep an eye on what's going on out here. Um, hopefully next year, they will have actual legal therapy therapeutic use out here. And I think that that's just another thing that's going to spread. So Pandora's box is open. I don't think there's anything that we can do at this point. So we're really excited about all that. Yeah. Thank God Pandora's box is open. It's awesome. It's really fun. (laughs) Yeah. You are going anywhere. You're going to be needed forever, especially if you're in this plant medicine space. You're right. Because it's just going to keep happening beyond, you know, medicinal mushrooms and the cannabis plant and everything. It just helps so many people in so many ways that, it would be absolutely insane for us to to try to get rid of it at this point. Um, you know, it's it's just so great, and the industry with all the jobs and the tax. You know, it's it's been good all around. I think that the cannabis and psilocybin industry could literally pull us out of this recession be, that has happened due to twenty twenty. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, I even see, you know, towns in Michigan are, you know, just, uh, they're, they look so different, right? There's new storefronts, everything. You can see the revitalization happening in front of your eyes. And I haven't seen that in Michigan with any other industry in any time I can remember. So it is really exciting to see. Um, definitely very grateful. And I just love all the points you've been hitting on today, just in terms of the gratitude for being in the industry, but also what you're doing from a professional services standpoint too. So where can people find LA Consulting or more about you? If anyone's interested, where should they go look? Yeah, well, we have a really great um, LinkedIn following. (laughs) We do LinkedIn a lot because it's kind of the only place we don't get kicked off of. Um, So if you want to find me on LinkedIn, my name is Kim Stuck. Um, I'm a, and I think it's Kim Stuck Certified Professional in Food Safety is like the next thing. Um, also, you can go to our website, www.allayconsulting.com um, and check out all of our pages and services. And if you want to contact us, there's a contact form there. So feel free to fill one out and I'll get in touch with you, with you shortly. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you, Kim, so much for your time today. And this I think this is just going to be a really good topic. So awesome. I appreciate you. And I'm excited to see where the future takes you. I'm excited as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you.